Hello, and welcome to the Pragmatic Live podcast series, where we tackle the biggest challenges facing today's product management and marketing professionals with some of the best minds in the industry. I'm Rebecca Calajaris, Vice President of Marketing at Pragmatic Marketing and your host for today. Today, we are joined by our very own Kirsten Butso, one of our premier instructors and someone who has spent more than 20 years running the product management and marketing departments of global 500 companies, such as Pearson and Blackboard, before joining our team to spread her passion for the pragmatic marketing framework and the market-driven philosophy. Hello, Kirsten, and thank you for joining me today. Hi, Rebecca. I'm super happy to be here. Always uh, love the opportunity to sit and chat about issues that are kind of pressing our industry. Yeah, and I think today we have one of those age-old questions, or at least 18-year-old questions, right? The the kind of the product manager versus the product owner. The product manager versus the product owner, the throwdown. <laughs> well, obviously they both have the word product in it, so it must be exactly the same, right, Kirsten? Right. And I think you're actually starting to tip the hand at, at one of the big challenges. So Rebecca, I'm really, I'm really glad that we're talking about this topic. You know, recently um, uh, I did a webinar where we talked about trends facing product management in 2018. And this product manager versus product owner was really one of those topics that seemed to glean a lot of uh, conversation, a lot of questions. And so we thought it might be a, a one that, that people would enjoy if we dug in a little bit more deeply. And I think that's kind of where we want to go today. Is that right? Absolutely. So, you know, it's a funny thing to me, Rebecca. Um, I think this is the year. This is the year that this is the topic that I'm really passionate about is finally going to come into its own in our industry. Um, and here, here's what I what I think or here's what I'm seeing in the marketplace. So I like that you talked about the fact that it's been 18 years now, I think, since the Agile Manifesto changed the way that we think about talking about development. Um and we, we realized that with the advent of software as a service, cloud-based offerings, we could push product into the market in unprecedented rates. And waterfall as a methodology was no longer going to be an appropriate way to facilitate the way we could get stuff done quickly as an organization. And that was great. It's a great concept. It's, a, it's just a great philosophy, honestly, a little bit for life. Um, but when we created Agile, in order for that to work, we also had to think about roles that we're going to approach work and do work in a new and different way. And so one of the roles that we decided was going to be critical as part of Agile is to identify this person that we would call the product owner. Now, as somebody who's lived through this transition, um, I will say, uh, yes, I'm old enough that uh, I've, I've done the pre-waterfall, waterfall to Agile days. What I found happened is when we as an industry ran to Agile and embracing Agile, we didn't necessarily want to resource all the necessary roles for Agile the exact way they were intended to be resourced. And so what I found is a lot of organizations would look at that, that term or that title product owner. They already had product managers sitting around in their business and they felt like, well, we don't want to add headcount. That product owner title sounds kind of like that product manager title. Let's just make the product manager also be the product owner. And that really kind of started to put us on a bit of a, a tricky path. So do you think, so you said this is the year it finally happens. That 
kind of feels like sometimes when I'm like, this is the year I finally get in shape, Kirsten. <laughs> like I stop, <laughs> I stop eating the brownie boxes that you send me and I start working out. And I think um, there's a little bit about that feeling with this particular um, resourcing and agile question. So what do you, what makes you think that maybe we've, we've turned the corner? What, what gives you such hope? Well, first of all, I don't want to get crazy out there and I want to make sure that there's nobody who feels like that what we're talking about today in any way, shape or form is advocating that we should stop eating chocolate. All right. Or stop eating <laughs> right. The brown. That's, that's, that's a good point right there. So I want to be very clear that what we're talking about here still, there's still room for brownie consumption. Um, I, the reason that I think about it is I see this trend happening every single day when I go out and I work with clients. So as a pragmatic marketing instructor, one of the absolutely best things about this job is every single week I get to go meet different companies and new and exciting people, and I learn a lot from them. And I'm really starting to see um, in the students and the clients that I work with this aha moment taking place. And the aha moment is this, wait a second, you mean that we need our product managers to be out in the market. We need them to be gathering market data to inform the decisions that we're making with our engineers in a prudent way. So when we apply things like Agile and we're building products really, really quickly, it's not just about putting product out in the market faster or creating velocity. It's about building the right products fast. And the product owner is really that subject matter expert interface into the engineering organization that should be available to them on a daily basis. Well, as an organ, as a, as an industry, we're starting to realize, Hey, wait a second. If we have the product manager also acting as the product owner and they're spending their time deep into the engineering organization every day, who's actually out there in the marketplace getting the fuel source to drive that agile organization and create velocity around building the right products versus just building products fast. And so I say that because I've really started to see a shift or a trend take place um, at the start of really 2017. And I really started to see it get traction as I started working with clients through the end of 2017, rolling into 2018. And I think organizations are now finally realizing just because somebody had a simple or a similar sounding title or a similar sounding name doesn't necessarily mean the work was the same or the role was the same or the contribution that that role makes to the overall production or output of the things that we're building is the same. And they're starting to realize there's a really distinct role that happens. And, you know, one of the ways that I like to think about it, Rebecca, is there's a what and a who. There's a what is the problem that we should be solving in the marketplace and who has the problem that we're solving. That's the business. That's where a product manager should be living. That's their bread and butter. How do they understand that? Where do they go find these people? How do they gather that market data? That market data has to be converted into the how. That's going to be where we design our products. We build our products. And that's where the product owner is an interface into our engineering organization. And these are clearly delineated roles with clearly delineated functionality. And I think we're finally starting to see if we really want to be effective across the board, we've got to resource them correctly. And then we've got to hire the right talent to do those two very distinct and separate roles. Um, and so I'll, I'll say it's anecdotal is the source of my optimism or my hope. 
Um, but it is anecdotal rooted in the fact that I do, I do have the luxury of going out working with hundreds of companies and thousands of people, um, every year. And this is a distinct trend that I've seen started to manifest itself, uh, uh, early last year and really picking up momentum through the end of last year, rolling into this year. Awesome. All right. So you talked a little bit about sort of the product management being out in the market and really uh, being the one to understand the market and bring that in and that product owner as the interface with development. And you talked about hiring the right skills for each. Can you break that down a little bit? What, what makes an amazing product manager versus what makes an amazing product owner? Well, you know what makes an amazing product manager above all is somebody who's willing to get outside the office, somebody who's willing to go into the wild and interact with customers, interact with competitors, interact with prospects, interact with uh, uh, potential new business, and really tap into the people in your target market that have the problems that you could solve as an organization, and how to how to go out there and sense from them what it is that you could do to help them and gather that market data and methodically bring it back into the business in a rational way. Um, and when you bring that as a product manager back into the business, you also have to have a really great business acumen. You have to think about, I'm going to hear a lot of individual pieces of market data and individual pieces of information and requests that I have from all of those different constituencies that I'm going to talk to. But the question becomes, how do I start methodically trying to filter that information down in a way that when I start giving a guideline for the direction that we should be headed in, as an organization to my engineering team, it aligns with my strategy. And so those are really the, the kind of the, the superhero, super superpowers I want my product manager to have. Above all, I want that to be an individual who's super comfortable doing market sensing activities and then using that market data to filter down the things that really give an indication to an organization where they should be spending their time. On the other side of the fence, and, you know, it's funny, I, I like to joke around about saying product manager versus product owner as though it's a contentious relationship with a throwdown. And that couldn't actually be further from the truth. Um, I think of these as two individuals, you know, shaking hands or almost two puzzle pieces coming together. And I want that product owner to fit into the product manager puzzle piece by also being a subject matter expert somebody who understands the product, somebody who understands customers, somebody who understands the market, but is more of a, um, of a traffic cop, if you will, somebody who's able to methodically help manage and cue the work that goes into uh, the engineering organization so that when we ask our engineers to spend time on stuff, we're asking the sp to spend time on stuff that's the most worthy of their attention. And if they have clarifying questions, they should be able to go to that product owner on a daily basis to get that information. The product owner maybe even is, attends the daily standups and they've got that subject matter expertise to be able to do that. And they can tap into that resource in a way that doesn't inhibit a product manager from being out in the market together, that great market data in the first place. So we've really got kind of three stages going on. We've got the product manager getting the, the market data. We've got the product owner 
leveraging that data that's informing the decisions that we make in a subject matter expertise way as a resource to help those engineers build that product and be able to ask them questions. And so those are kind of the, the three key things that have to happen. And those are the key three key roles that I want those individuals to play. So then I would imagine when it comes to certain artifacts and pieces that there are some distinct maybe ownerships, right? Or um, And then there's some areas that they partner on. Well, we can certainly try. Can I quiz you on your thoughts? Like if I throw out an artifact, can you tell me who you think should own it and why? Sure. I feel I feel like this is one of those game shows, right? Um, <laughs> you know? Oh, the questions, you know, the, the when famous people get interviewed and then they ask them the random questions at the end of the interview. But... <laughs> Or Jay on the street where they used to ask, you know, basic fourth grade questions to people and they'd be like, right. Okay. So we'll, we'll are there prizes involved? Because, um, I have a brownie left. Okay. (laughs) Actually, that's not even true. I have the brownie I put in my purse to bring home and the rest of the brownies that we got today from Kirsten to fill in the the listeners disappeared in seconds flat. But all right. (laughs) Who owns the product roadmap? The product roadmap would be owned by the product manager. And what makes that the case? Because the product manager owns the vision for the product. Mm. And the way that we articulate our vision is through that roadmap. That gives an indication of the direction we're headed as an organization. Okay. Who owns the product backlog? I would like the product owner to own the product backlog that aligns with that product roadmap. And that's why they're two puzzle pieces that fit together. They can't work in silos. They've got to be hand in glove. Who owns the user story? Um, So the user story, I would say, would be traditionally owned by the product management organization. Now, it may not necessarily be the product manager who writes the actual user story or the requirement. It might be a business analyst, but that's going to fall within the realm of responsibility of the product manager. Because the user story, if you think about it, is where we really capture that what and that who. So we articulate what somebody's trying to accomplish, the problem that we're trying to solve for them, and what the result should be when we're done. That should all come from the product manager organization. So I find that interesting. So I've seen it both ways, and I've I've seen it where the the sort of epic level was owned by product management, and I've and where the the individual user story was owned by product owner. My concern would be if they were all owned by product management, and if the product owner is really there to provide guidance on the user stories and answer questions the user story with development, if they're removed from the building of those how do they have that knowledge and context to provide to develop do they just become a pass-in or pass-through no that's a that's a great question Rebecca so one of the key things that needs to happen in that really important exchange between the product leader and the product owner is a requirements review and so I would fully have the expectation that there's a moment in time where those key players sit down and they review those requirements and user stories together. So then the, the product owner can be really rooted in what that user story is trying to accomplish or what that requirement's trying to accomplish. Um, we can ask our product owners to write requirements as well. I'm okay with that as long as we all understand that. The problem is the flip side, right? If we ask our product owners to start writing requirements, 
then they're starting to get a little deeper into product management, just like we don't want product managers to get pulled into engineering. So regardless of the source of that requirement, it's going to be that requirements review that's going to be key because that should be the moment in time where the product owner gets any clarifying information that they need to empower them to then be that daily clarifying resource to the engineering organization. Um, and so it's a really great point that you're making because this is a very iterative exchange that's going to happen. This isn't somebody writes a requirement and throws it over a wall at somebody else and nary the two shall, shall talk. There has to be reviews and there has to be touch points to ensure that we're always on the same page together as an organization. And I guess I think that's probably why we started this section. You were so firm that we, we kind of make fun of it, sort of the cage fat, cage fight, the smackdown between the two. But but they really need to be among the closest partners in an organization because that communication needs to be so deep and seamless almost that it's it's going to be a the level of understanding between the two would be hard to put down in an artifact, right? If if we're just relying on the piece of paper to bring that stuff over, you're going to end up with gaps, and that. The, the, the smooth flow back and forth, I would think, would be really critical to, to this when there is a product manager and a product owner role. No, and I think it's a great point that you're making. You know, Rebecca, I, I, I often find that um, sometimes we believe that all the individuals associated with building products in our organization, be it the product manager, the product owner, or our engineers, developers, are somehow clairvoyant. <laughs> Um, and that we somehow get uh, market data and then we write a user story and it's going to be exactly right. Everyone's going to have the perfect subject matter expertise and then we're going to build something and the minute somebody uses it, it's exactly going to hit the mark. And the likelihood that that happens is very low. What we're trying to do by engaging in this iterative dialogue and doing this fail early, fail often kind of mantra um, is we're trying to just reduce the risk when we put these products into the marketplace and increase likelihood of success, but there's never going to be any guarantees. And so that's why these exchange points that are rooted in that subject matter knowledge are so critical, because if we don't have that dialogue going back and forth and we don't do it in a, in a good and productive way to provide clarification along the way, we're going to fail and we're going to fail in a, in a really big way. Um, I mean, we might fail even if we do that. There's no guarantees, but but we'll certainly mitigate the likelihood of of introducing a lot of risk and increase the likelihood of success. All right. So we talked a little bit, a lot actually, about how we would structure this and and staff it if the two roles are separate. But look, that's just not always the case, right? I mean, resources, ways the structures are, we don't always have a product manager and a product owner within an organization when they go agile. So if that's the case, if there's one product manager owner or a product manowner, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to trademark that one. Um, What's advice in that situation? Well, I first of all, I didn't know we were going to start inventing words today, so that's really <laughs> great. I mean, Rebecca, had I known there was a product manowner, then that could, have been, that could have been a trend I could have recently talked about in my 2018 Product right. Management Trends to Watch webinar. Um, it's a really fair point, and the fair point is sometimes we live in the real world, too. Uh, and in the real world, um, we are resource-constrained. We can't always have the luxury of staffing everybody in the exact way we would love to. And so what I say uh, in that situation is if we are indeed asking people to wear multiple hats, 
Let's just make sure that we're doing it eyes wide open. Let's make sure that we understand we're asking people to perform dual roles and maybe we've got to be hyper organized in the way that we partition their time and we organize them right on Monday, Tuesdays, that person does the the job of of a product manager. And on Wednesday, Thursday, Fridays, they do the job of a product owner. Um, If we are going to ask people to wear multiple hats, we just need to make sure that we organize how that time is spent. And then we're realistic about it. What we can't do is take 10 pounds of dirt and put it in a five pound bag. And so we can't say somebody's going to perform, you know, two roles that are 40 hour week jobs simultaneously together and be successful at that because we're just kidding ourselves as an organization. So I have no problem with it as long as you're doing it eyes wide open. Excellent. Excellent. Any advice? You know, I mean, so if I'm, if I have a a product man owner, is there a a bent? How do they, how do they take the two the two competing things get into the market and be here to support development what takes precedent how do I prioritize how do I time box which skill set do I hire for help me Kirsten well I think first of all you should have two distinct outfits when you're doing the product manager job you should be wearing a button-down shirt and when you're doing the product (laughs) owner job you should be wearing a hoodie I think that I'm sorry, costume change time. Right? So that's going to clearly <laughs> articulate to the rest of the organization which job you're doing that day, and they shouldn't <laughs> bother you one way or the other. Um, you don't have to have a wardrobe change, um, but I do think that um, what you do have to do is you have to think about how how you're going to spend that time, right? So if you're a product manager, um, and it really it, let me back up. I'm getting ahead of myself. It really is contingent upon what your strategic goals are as an organization. Mm, That makes sense. And so if you are um, a new company or you're a company that is getting ready to build a brand new product, the bulk of that product manager's time is probably needing to be spent out in the marketplace because you've got to be gathering that market data and inform the decisions that you're making. If you have a more mature product that maybe you're doing an evolutionary release to versus something revolutionary, maybe you have a point where you're heavier doing the product owner role because you've got a bulk of work that you've got to get done for an existing customer base. And so this is where it's really important to understand um, the strategic direction for the organization. And that will give you an indication of how you should spend your time. I think that's a really valid point, right? So that it's the strategic direction and needs right now. It's probably the maturity of your development team. It's probably the maturity of your market knowledge as an organization. Um, I think all of that would play a role. I do think it's one of those areas too, that you have to be careful of, just like with everything else on the framework, right? The fires, the fires are quick, right? When development has a question, it's so immediate, the need, um, that even when that is the bigger need, you still, you have to carve out and protect the time in the market, but because without that information, you're not going to be able to actually provide them the details or the context. You will be making stuff up because you won't know it. So I I think the balance absolutely dependent on the, on sort of the strategic direction and focus of the company, but also that you have to, you have to feed that market side in order to be able to efficiently and effectively, um, play the role of the product owner. 100%. And I, I honestly, Rebecca, if I, if I had a second wish for, for things this year, it would be that everybody just takes a deep breath. 
Um, I think, you know, as, a, as an, right, as an industry, we definitely have this feeling that we're constantly behind where there's, you know, always these competitor threats and that the world's going to spin off its office access if we don't get this next feature out in the next two weeks. And I find that that's rarely the case. Um, and it's a dangerous business to get into that mindset. Um, I want to be quick. I want to be nimble. I want to put work out in a in a with the maximum amount amount of velocity possible. I don't want to run around um, in a cavalier way, raving my hands over my head to feel like you know we're hairs on fire. I I want to just take a deep breath and be realistic about what can be done, what should be done, and then let's work to that methodically together. Awesome. All right, we've talked about a bunch of different things. And we've talked about a lot about this trend, the product manager, product owner. There were two key takeaways from this conversation. What would they be? What do you want them to remember tomorrow based on what they just listened to today? I think the thing that I really want people to remember is this. There are three key things that need to happen. We need to understand the what and the who for the products that we're building. So what is the problem in the marketplace? Who has the problem? And we need somebody to be hyper-focused on that work. I'd like that to be the product manager. We need to build the product. That's the how. And we need the resources that are going to manage all of that work backlog, do the validation, be available to answer questions so we can keep that machine going well together. And if we're really going to be effective, we've got to source that correctly as well. So the key takeaway would be understand these distinct pieces of work that need to happen, and then ask yourself, have I resourced it correctly? And am I being honest with myself in the way that I've resourced it? Because if we haven't done that, then we're probably going to just be doing stuff to do stuff. And we might get lucky, but the odds of success are going to be greatly mitigated. And so that'd be really the key takeaway for me. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much for joining me today, Kirsten. Thank you. And I'll be uh, stopping by for a brownie. Excellent. All right. Thank you all for listening. Don't forget to join us next week when we cover another great topic designed to help you elevate your product, your company, and your career. 